Bad on Bears fans, back at it again. Holiday season, halfway over, right? There's always that interesting time of year where it's like, oh, we're off and then kind of off again in a little bit. So holiday season, halfway over. But uh, the holiday cheer still going strong for uh, Chicago Bears after a win versus the Arizona Cardinals. Although uh, Justin Fields is a little... A little, little, little spicy, a little spicy during the game. A little spicy after the game. I like it. A little fury in my quarterback. I'm I'm here for that. Uh, but a lot to get to on today's episode. I mean, listen, when you're, when you're talking about uh, what's going on with these coaches, we got to listen in on what Ryan Poles had to say about it. Got to talk about Mike Tomlin. Is he possibly going to get traded? And is Chicago legitimately a destination for him? Touch on that. And uh Flus had some thoughts on uh, the Chicago Bears passing game. So uh, all that more in today's episode of the Chicago Bears podcast. Hit that like button, subscribe to the page, leave that five-star review. Y'all know what to do. Courtney, how you doing? How's it going? How's, I'm how, good. How it was great. Christmas was awesome. And it's like, I agree with you. It's this weird in-between time from a Christmas to New Year's where time doesn't actually exist. Yeah. Um, you know, it could be 2 o'clock in the afternoon or it could be 2 o'clock in the morning as far as I'm concerned right now where – most normal people are off work, but if you if you work in football, if you work in sports, you're working yeah. this week. So hopefully everybody out there who uh, you know has time off this week, you can enjoy it with your friends, your family, you can listen to us here on the Bears podcast. So I appreciate it. Like it's it's neat to, you know, provide entertainment at a time of the season that like we're racing to the finish line and then it's the whole off season yeah. and we get to really start to get answers to those questions. Starting the Monday after week 18, will Eberflus be the head coach much longer? Or are we going to see a coach firing following that Green Bay game? Which is very, very, it, it, I guess it's not surprising, right? But I think that a lot of us thought that he had done enough with his defense mm -hmm. to save his job. But we hear Ryan Poles talking uh, on the pregame show on ESPN 1000. Um, and he had some very interesting things to say about kind of, I think the, the part that, that most people have focused in on is talking about coaches and players focusing in on the details and going back to the game plan. Let's, let's listen in and see what he had to say about that. Let's get to play more and more games together. Um, you'll see more and more consistency. Um, but to really echo Coach in his emphasis in, in the last uh, few weeks and specifically this week is it comes down to the details. And those details need to be cleaned up on all areas from the coaches to the players. Like the old saying, you know, you are what your record is. Um, so we'll, we'll look at that. Um, but I think it's important to go back and look at those tough losses in those close games and see what you need to improve if it's from a schematic standpoint, if it's from a player standpoint, that's going to be the important piece. When I take a peek back a year, you know, in 2022, you can kind of see their improvements from how many of those tough losses we've had. So we're starting to close the gap. We just got to do it at a higher rate. I don't know, Courtney. When I heard that, I was like, Listen, that sounds like he is letting Luke Getze, Matt Eberflus, and, you know, player execution, mm -hmm. the players on the field know as well. Listen, if we, if this isn't something we're cleaning up, when I look back at it, we're, we're going to have to have some changes here. Yeah, I mean, like, I, he doesn't say changes, but that's kind of what I got from it. Notice how when he's talking about those two two things, like he said coaches and players first, and then he said from a schematic standpoint yeah. – coaching and then player execution players like I don't know if that was by design but it stood out to me that coaches were the first thing uttered out of Ryan Poles's mouth in terms of looking at some of those close losses why they were in those situations and of course the first thought is those fourth quarter leads that they had and they blew Detroit is the big one to me that was the moment where if they do end up with a new coaching staff next year, I feel like we're going to point to that moment and say four minutes and 15 seconds. You have the team that just clinched the division first time yeah. in, in 30 years where that had happened. You had them on the ropes at home and you folded, you folded in a game that you should have won. Then of course you can look at the Cleveland game and you can look at the Denver game and, and find numerous instances where the similar situation played out. But like to me, Detroit is what spoke loudly like the most the the most you know the most emphasis this season of any yeah. of those short of those any of those close losses to me like the biggest one that you're going to look at is that Detroit game but I 
I think that Matt Eberflus and, you know, I've said this for a while, like if they win out, if he's eight and nine, you're going to have a really hard time looking at that coaching staff and be like, this is not enough. We're going to go in a different direction. Yeah. You would have the caveat of, look, they're going to draft a quarterback potentially. Like they're going to move on. They want to bring in a new staff to go that direction. If they fire the coaching staff week 18 after week 18, I think that signals without a shadow of a doubt they're moving in a different direction with with the quarterback. So maybe we find some answers without getting those answers right away. Yeah. But if Matt Eberflew stays, the team's eight and nine, seven and ten, that's considerable improvement from where they were a year ago at three and fourteen, then you have to truly wait a little bit longer to find out what they're going to be doing at the quarterback position. But Everything starts with coaching. You and I have talked about this, and that's the first domino that has to fall in order for this team to then start checking off other lists on their offseason priorities. But it's it's the first time we've heard Ryan Poles not call out coaching. I don't want to say it like that, but it was it was the most we've gotten out of him in the respect that it's not just, hey, players got to execute. The players yeah. got to do what we brought them in here to do. We're, you know, they're playing together. They're getting more playing time together, but it's not enough just yet. And that also falls on, on the coaching and the situations that these players have been put in by the people that are calling plays. And even today, two days removed from the game, the short yardage situation was talked about by Matt Eberflus and the downfield passing attack. These are the last couple of weeks. The heat's been turned up, uh, at least externally, from the pressure on on Luke Getzey in ways that I don't think was there necessarily to this level earlier in the season. No, one hundred percent. I think the the most interesting part is that right. We saw the contrast of this. Right. We saw the other side of this, where Matt Eberflus. Uh, I was getting glowing praise from Ryan Poles halfway through the season to the point where everybody's like, he's going a little hard here, guys. Like he's, yeah. he's really excited about the job that Bluce has done, right? He's doing a great job. He's developing. We're moving in the right direction. We just got to put it all together. And then like to see kind of, as we get closer to the end of the season, seeing kind of that, that conversation change, right? Seeing that conversation of, yeah, he's still doing a good job. We're still seeing development, but it needs to happen quicker. I think that's the part to me where, yes, you're looking at the development of the players, but I've said this a bunch. We keep seeing the coaches make the same mistakes, right? And when they tell us we're going to learn from our mistakes, we're going to go back to the drawing board, we're going to pay attention to the details. I see Justin Jones dropping back in coverage for another touchdown that goes down the left sideline mm-hmm. in back-to-back weeks, right? Like, the, yeah. we're seeing this coaching staff do the exact same things and here's the worst part these are in wins too that mm-hmm. tells you that this is a mindset thing going on here and i think that ryan poles is really noticing that the mindset of this team hasn't changed you've been making the same mistakes since week four <laughs> what you just brought up and it's a question that i asked matt eberflus following the game i thought the tone in the press conference maybe it was christmas eve and everybody's in yeah. the holiday spirit and wants to get out of there since it was late afternoon window game but i I thought the tone at first was okay. Like it was, there are a lot of things to not like about this bears team from that win. There's a lot of good things, but that question I asked him, I wouldn't say the tone of the press conference changed, but like when Flus, you know, I said like 93 was again in coverage. Was that supposed to happen there? And he said, no, he was supposed to rush. He would have to, you know, look at the tape. That's kind of where he left it. It was, yeah. it was the shortest answer I think he had given on Sunday. He did not talk about it on Tuesday. It was not, you know, that didn't come up in the conversation in the press conference. But the fact that it happened in back-to-back weeks, and remember, he took a lot of responsibility for that, said he should have just called a simple cover two look on that third and 15 in Cleveland. And that was a play that broke open the game for the Browns. Yeah, This was a play that got the Cardinals in the end zone. It didn't change the game ultimately, but for it to happen in back-to-back weeks, those are the things that Ryan Poles is looking at to say, okay, are you adjusting enough week to week? Are you not making the same mistake twice? Is that not the oldest of adages that we hear in sports? Like, oh, this guy's great because he makes a mistake one time and he'll never make it again. He'll learn from his mistakes. It feels like for as important as it is to double your win total from a year ago, some of the same issues that have hindered you in games this year are popping up again. 
if that happens against a better team, do they beat them? I don't know. Like, we won't know the answer to that. Arizona's a very tough, like, they're I mean, they're, they're, they're going through a really tough season this year. Like, their quarterbacks stink. Like, their offense is terrible. Not a great year. And yeah. even still, Justin Fields could only throw for 35 yards in the second half against that secondary. Even still, you've got these busted coverages and these weird things that are happening to your defense where you've got a single high look that all of a sudden like turns out the same way as it did before, where you've gotten like your defensive tackle dropping into your three technique checking into coverage. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Like, but those are those are things that you have to weigh as equally as the growth and development of this defense in knowing. Are we on the right track with this head coach moving forward, or do we need to make a change because we're we're not confident potentially that these things won't pop up a year from now? And I think that's the part that, to me, when you see it, when Flu says that's on me, that's my mistake, my bad. All right, I'll give you credit for you know. It's only uh, happened um, like a couple times too, and you know. Yeah, I mean, that, like I, I'll give you credit for taking onus of this. Mm-hmm. Okay, I right, boom, you have a bad call on you. Perfect, right? But again, I look up in Detroit when uh, uh, um, Dan Among Campbell sweat says, wasn't on the field, yeah. and he let the game get away. You know what he didn't do the next game? Take his foot off the gas. He didn't call that same bad play again. He didn't slow things up. He didn't get yeah. in the way of what his team could do. Matt Eberflus to me, right? The the one before this was um, we don't teach our guys. To, to block small on big. We, that's not what we do. That's not what we're about here. We don't want running backs guard, blocking Daniel the, Hunter. The Minnesota many, game, yeah. How many times have we seen that since the Minnesota game? It's mm-hmm. happened almost every week where legitimately there's a running back where Tevin Jenkins or Nate Davis opens up, a lane is there, and a running back has to step in and go big on small or small on big. Like, these are the same things we've been talking about all year, and you can sit there in the press conferences and tell us we don't teach our guys to do that. But then when we look at the tape and we look at the scheme, and again, right, Ryan Pohl's talking about the scheme, the schematics, putting guys in the right position. We see a lot of the same mistakes that Matt Eberflus even admits are mistakes mm-hmm. pop up week in and week out. So either you're not getting something done in practice or this is actually just a part of the game plan. And it's something that, right, when they look at their play sheet, we like that call. Down in distance, we love that call. <laughs> and, I mean, think about what Flew said today. Like, the first time we heard we need to be better in short yardage situations, I, you know, watching that fourth and one that the Bears, you know, the the kind of the baffling call, what was it? They were at their own 34-yard line. The, um, the the wildcat. Sorry, the, 30, the, the thirty, the third and one, the yeah. direct snap to Roshan Johnson. They end up punting. They're their own thirty-four. Like we've seen that same down and distance, same part of the field, and I just don't know why they can't seem to get that right. And even Flus today mentioned how you've got to have your go-to play, whether it's you know the the, the Philly tush push, the rugby yeah. play, the wedge. Like there's a bunch of different names for it, but. Philly, why Philly can execute something with a quarterback who, I mean, Justin Fields is 6'4", 230 pounds. Like, yeah. he can he can get through there. Like, he can quarterback, you can quarterback sneak it with Justin Fields. Why are they not going to him in those moments? And that's how you and I were talking off air. Like, there was um, a question that Justin didn't really seem to like. It was, it was phrased to him about these short yardage situations. Yeah. And... I, I've noticed that because I've asked him about it too. Like, do you have a say in those moments? I asked him about it the, the previous week because in Cleveland, we saw the third down play, the sweep to Tyler Scott that got sniffed out for a three-yard loss. We've seen them go sweep play on fourth down with DJ Moore. Instead of, it's like it's like they're overcomplicating things. Yeah. You want to be multiple. That's what Flute said. You want to be multiple. So whether it's DJ, whether it's Justin, you got to have options because very clearly, if they were good enough to just like, you know, defer to the tush push every single time the way that Philly does, then they would do it. Very clearly, it's not something that they feel comfortable with just like, okay, we're going to roll out this look. They know that the defense knows they're not going to be able to stop this play. It's going to convert, whatever. They're not there. But you've got to at least have that as your baseline because these short yardage situations that they're like finding themselves not able to convert on – are a really big issue right now. And to me, yeah. this this is a this is a spotlight on Luke Getze and his, you know, what he's doing and calling games. And now that you've now you got the head coach talking about it, which 
for a long time, Flus had kind of stayed out of the fray on like specific situations and talking about that. But whether it's the short yardage situation, whether it's talking about needing more of a downfield passing attack and not not being comfortable with what they have right now, these are messages, Pat, that are being sent uh, yeah. from the coaching staff to other parts of the coaching staff, from the front office to the coaching staff, like all of the above. I think it's it's so interesting too, right? Because for the most part, we've stayed out of the whose fault is it mm-hmm. you know, kind of conversation from inside the locker room, right? There hasn't been a lot of finger pointing. There's been talk in the media of, hey, look, there's certain things we need to do better, right? Justin says, I'm feeling too robotic. Uh, DJ Moore calls out the offensive play calling and saying we need to take more shots. Darnell Mooney, right? We've seen things like that, but it hasn't really been like, no, this is kind of your fault and you need to figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. We're kind of starting to see that now in a very small way, but I think we're kind of starting to see that pop through where Poles tells, tell, talks to uh, us at ESPN and says, hey, listen, we need to fix things with coaching, player execution as well, but the scheme needs to be better. We need to focus on the details. And next day we hear Matt Eberflus go, you know, we need to work on the short yardage situation for the first time. Now it's kind of like... The dots what, are what, connecting. It all rolls downhill. <laughs> and, and I'm not surprised that at this point of the season that these comments are coming, you know, are, are coming out in a public setting. Yeah. I'm not saying it's malicious, but it does feel like right now, what do you have to lose? Like yeah. there's jobs on the line. We, you know, they would be foolish to think, oh, you can just coast into the final couple of games of the year. You win, you lose, who cares? Like, no, there's, there's big decisions to be made. So the play calling and the improvements that they need to see from like that perspective and defense too. Like, this is not just a Luke Getzey issue, but, it was raised today when in, in talking about why they've been so unsuccessful in recent weeks with the third and one, fourth and one situations, and even you know other short yardage situations. Like Cleveland, they were in third and 10, um, third and long 10 different times, and they didn't convert on those because they were so poor on short yard, shorter yardage situations, yeah. um, or bad on first and second down, and then the times that they did get into third down, second and short, third and short, they couldn't convert. So I, I feel like this is all right your last chance for the coaching staff as much as it is the last chance for the players to prove why you deserve to be here next year and why like it to me if, if it was a situation where these coaches weren't fighting for their jobs i know some people believe that it's a foregone conclusion that some of the staff is out i do not believe that right now mm. um, i think it's more of a matter of preference by by some people who view the quarterback situation as one that needs to be affected by a new coaching staff but like if this was Said it all said and done, kind of like how we look at Washington, we look at Ron Rivera and his situation. I don't think you have the general manager making a comment like that before the game in his pregame radio hit. Um, I think he would have just kind of like kept it very vanilla. Hey, we're going to evaluate everything at the end of the season. To me, there was a message that was subtly, maybe not so subtly, delivered within that. And you've got Matt Eberflus doing the same as well. See, I'm I'm on the other side of that. I do believe that decisions probably are already done on certain aspects. Maybe the quarterback's still up in the air. I, I think you're probably done on Luke Getzey at a minimum to me, uh, as far as whoever whoever the next quarterback is. Sure. I don't think that you and want this kind fair. of inconsistent play calling being in there. But I think, right, when you look at even the Mike Tomlin news coming out, right, where every time I head to me, any every time a head coach head coaching name being available pops up, it sounds like the Chicago Bears are in on that, right? And the, the Mike Tomlin news was interesting. Diana Rossini uh, wrote, uh, put this in The Athletic, uh, talking about there's been chatter that perhaps the Steelers would consider trading Mike Tomlin if they were to move on from him. The teams that she mentions in there, Washington, Chicago, or even Carolina, to try and get some of the picks back in that situation. The fact that Chicago's name is popping up in, in a situation like that or even the Jim Harbaugh news where we had heard that they'd be interested if Harbaugh was made available, right? Like that makes me feel like you're not comfortable with who you have at the head coaching position. And and I think it's, it's calculated that that stuff does get out there. Um, You you know, there isn't a decision made on the head coach right now. Like that's why, that's why I honestly think like if they win out, that could change the direction that they go at, you know, it with their head coach. Harder. It does. And that's yeah. not something that's an easy thing, to, you know, 
in theory, like you have the number one overall pick. Do you want to like draft a quarterback? Because you may never get the chance to do that again. Ryan Poles did not draft Justin Fields. Like if you're just looking at it on a surface level, it's a no brainer. Right. That you get a new coach, that you get a new coaching staff, you get a new quarterback. Like this is my team. Like I inherited this. I went through the first few years of the rebuild. I'm going to do it my way from now on. But I think what Ryan Poles has learned through all of this is that this the the whole there's a lot of gray area here that has to be sorted out. How you fire a coach if he goes eight and nine, like you've shown improvement, you've done what he's like, what the front office, what ownership has asked you to do. Yes. That's hard. Like that's a really hard situation. Like the, but like the one thing I'll say, like on Mike Tomlin, because remember we've talked about this with the quarterback, that some of this is a lot of this is out of Justin's control because the upgrade may, may outweigh any good that he does, which, you know, he could have a great game the next two games. It could, the upgrade in the way that the front office views it may outweigh everything that Justin does. Same thing with the coaching staff. If Mike Tomlin's available, if Jim Harbaugh is available, if, um, if any of the other big names are out there and you view that as an upgrade over what you currently have, even if they did go eight and nine, seven and 10, that you could still understand the reason for change. The Tomlin thing's interesting though, because remember Ryan Poles is someone who wants to build through the draft. He believes that the draft is the lifeblood of his program. He grew up in the college scouting world. Like that's the path that he took to get to where he is now as a general manager. You know, the thought of giving up, like there's, that's going to be a pretty penny, like to get Mike Tomlin, not just the salary, but like the draft capital. Cause I believe he's under contract at least for one more year. Yep. The draft capital it's going to take to get him you know, the, the Saints had to give up some picks, or rather, um, the, the, Broncos the Broncos had to give up some picks to the Saints yeah. to go get Sean Payton. You Sean Payton's think- a great example, actually, and not to cut you off, but he went for a first round mm-hmm. pick uh, for this year and a second round pick for next season. They and did remember, get he back had a third sat round out a year. pick with that. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he had sat, sat out, out a year. year. Yeah. Um, so, like, it's, it's not as easy as, oh, wow, Mike Tom's available. Great coach. Go get him any, any means net by any means necessary. You're also thinking about how you construct your roster here and whether you have the draft capital to go to give up, you know, extra draft capital, extra first round pick. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's say they do that. So they, they draft a quarterback number one overall. Let's say they do that. Um, and then what their eighth pick, right? Number eight pick in the draft right now, which could be on an offensive lineman. Like you're going to go give that up for a head coach. Like that's yeah. something you have to consider. What if they'd say, hey, Mike Tomlin, got to have him. Okay, here's our first round pick. I need that draft capital. I'm going to go move back from number one and pick up a couple more first round picks. And then I'll keep just like these scenarios are so convoluted and complex that like those are all of the things you have to figure like where where it might be easier in some respects to keep the head coach you have instead of jumping through all of those damn hoops just to be able to go get somebody when in many ways you you might be at same playing ground if you don't have the if you're not able to use that draft capital that you have on players. And I think the tough part about that is right, you have to believe not only that Mike Tomlin is going to come here and win, but you have to believe that he's going to win the Super Bowl. Like oh, like you don't make that move unless you yeah. feel like that's that's the You're path, trading right? a first and a second. Like your career is now tied to Mike Tomlin. Your future your with the Chicago that. Bears is tied to Mike Tomlin. So I my issues with Tomlin are, are the same as Flus right now. I think that Tomlin's a much better – I think he's a better leader. I think he might be able to connect with the team we have here a little bit better. Um, I, I think that he can build a, a culture that people won't disrespect week in and week out, right? I feel like there's always somebody we look at and be like, what's going on there? What's happening with this guy? Like, that's not Hit's principle. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, I don't know, right? Because then I look at Mike Tomlin, the situation he's in right now, and – we see George Pickens one week basically saying, I'm not putting my body on the line yeah. for my teammate to be able to get into the end zone. I'm not going to risk a Tank Dell situation. Uh, you think back to the time he's been there, right? The Antonio Brown situation, that's under him. The Le'Veon Bell situation, that's under him. That's all under his watch. For everything that we want to blame everybody else for, Matt Canada was terrible. Oh, my God. He sat there, looked him in the face, and hired him at a mm-hmm. time where literally everybody was like, Matt Canada. What are you trying to prove here with Matt Canada? So I I the part that scares me even more than just giving up the capital and different things like that is is Mike Tomlin coming here to just be a little bit better flus? Or is this the Andy Reid story? 
I mean that it's a it's not just a a sh- small gamble that they'd be that they'd be making. Like you are if 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 Brian Poles is making that decision, yeah. you're hedging your entire career on that. So you're you're spot on. Like you're anchoring yourself to that head coach and it can't be anything other than the Super Bowl. That's yeah. not you don't have a bridge coach. There's no such thing. Um and you not for a be, first and second round pick. No, not for Mike Tomlin. <laughs> like, I mean, that guy's been in the league for a long time. Yeah. This may be his first losing season. They're, you know, I think eight and seven right now. Eight and seven. Um, yeah. They may finish, you know, t- uh, ten and seven. They could finish, you know, nine and nine and what nine and eight. Like nine I mean, and eight. So yeah, yeah I, I guess technically he won't have a losing season this year because of where at least it, like it finishes out. Um, but regardless, like he would only go somewhere. I think at this point of his career to go win a title and yeah. the cost of that. Not just draft capital, but if you're bringing him here, you're letting him choose who he wants as his quarterback. So if it is Justin Fields, then you stick with Justin Fields. If it's someone else, then you go get somebody else because the first domino that has to fall is the is the head coach. And that to me is not something that you can you can't not make that situation or take it lightly. And you don't make it with the goal of okay, we're just we're just doing this to like keep growing. No, like you're doing this to eventually get yourself in that final game in February. And if you don't get there, then then that is a failure of yeah. the people who make the decision. And then years down the line, that's how we're going to judge it. I think here's the tough the tough thing too, right? And really just tough for Flus is when you look at the coaches that could possibly be available. Even trade maybe trading for Tomlin's like a pie-in-the-sky dream where mm-hmm. it's never going to happen. The Bears aren't going to risk it. I think what you said is very valid of Ryan Poles. He's he's going to give up draft capital. He's going to give up draft capital for usually a player that can impact the field. Um, he wants to build this team to, through the draft. But the tough part for me is that, right, when we think about the Eric Bieniemy's being available, the mm-hmm. Ben Johnson's being available, right? We kind of focus on the quarterback position and say, well, yeah, there's there's quarterbacks coming out. He's going to want to pick his quarterback. And yes, Flus was his guy, but there's a lot of names out there that if Matt Eberflus is on the market today, like if he wasn't the Bears head coach, well, he's not even top five on the list. So if you look at it in that scenario, I, I feel like, Maybe the Bears don't get Mike Tomlin. Maybe the Bears don't get Jim Harbaugh. But is Flus a better guy to be in the position than Ben Johnson? Is he a better guy to be in the position than Eric Bieniemy? There's a lot of names that are going to be available. Ryan Poles might just want to go with, okay, we've gotten to this point. This was our bridge guy. We need something better. Yeah, and that's that's okay if that if it really goes down that way because it's not like he made that move five years into yeah. taking over like this is this was a rebuild where everything had to go to zero in order to get to, like where they're at two years in you can justify moving on from that bridge coach like you know whatever we're phrasing it like the yeah. the, the lame duck coach that matt Eberflus would end up being if they moved on from him this year because it they needed they needed someone they didn't need their top line option if this is where they go this is their logic we didn't need our top line option to get us to the next step of the rebuild, we just needed to get to the step. Like we just needed to get this thing off the ground, and that very yeah. well could be Matt Eberflus before they really bring in their enforcer, more or less, somebody they expect to push this thing through to the finish line. Like, and that's I'm trying to think, like if, where we've seen these situations before that aren't more of just like the stupid one-year things that like yeah, Carolina yeah. did or Steve Wilkes getting the, the one year thing, in, yeah. um, you know, one year in. Um, what's it called? Arizona with Josh Rose. And yeah, like there, there's poor examples of it elsewhere uh, that you saw kind of an unfair treatment of coaches where the Texans had their back-to-back one-year coaches, like, you know, then they fire them in, in Arizona and Carolina. But I don't think it would be viewed the same way if they end up going a different direction. Like, I don't think Flus is going to get himself lumped in with those who were viewed as, oh, the, the teams did those guys wrong. You know what I mean? yeah, yeah. No, no, no. And and I think his the the other part too is right. What a lot of those guys is like I mean the, the the season ended they were fired after one year and it was like deserving. Right? Like this year I think that there's enough feathers defensively in Flus's cap. Flus going to have a job tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Right? Like like if you fired Flus today, he's got a job tomorrow as a DC somewhere if that's what he wants to do or Right, maybe he gets an opportunity as a head coach, as somebody who you saw development. I think the interesting thing about this 
um, on both sides is that Matt Eberflus has kind of set himself up where both sides of the argument work, right? If you look at Flus, you say, okay, he's eight and nine. Justin Fields has gotten better. Maybe you need to change the offensive play call and maybe you go get a different quarterback. But defensively, the Bears look better. We, the defense hasn't flown around this well since 2018. Boom, keep him. He's your head coach. Mm-hmm. He Hopefully you finish off eight and nine, uh, seven and 10, somewhere in there. Huge improvement. On the flip side, it's like, but you've also blown three games. Yeah. Right. That, that you should have won. And maybe you learn from that, but it seems like you haven't because you do a lot of the same things in the games that you actually end up winning. The Washington game, they almost come back. The Arizona game, they almost come back. So, right. Like, I feel like Ryan Poles, he's at a crossroads with so many decisions here, but yeah. it's almost like no decision he makes, somebody's going to look at and go, wow, I have no reason to believe that that's the right decision. They're like, all con- they're all controversial decisions. Yes. Not controversial like in a bad way, but you're going to have like look at how split this fan base is on the quarterback alone. Yeah. Like that's the most polarizing part of all this. You have the people who say this isn't Justin's fault. He came into a, a crappy situation. You need to put more weapons around him and you need to have a better play caller who puts him in a better situation to succeed. Then you have the other people who say, absolutely not. You move on. You go get Caleb Williams. You do the right thing when you have the number one overall pick and you draft a quarterback. Like, it's the same, I think, with Flues. Maybe not as, like, loud because the quarterback one is always going to be, especially in a city like this, when they've struggled to get it right. Because there have been some good coaches here. Very obviously with the history of this organization, there have been some good coaches. But they haven't been able to get the quarterback spot right. And you don't, like, you don't see... I think you probably see more people saying Eberflus needs to needs to go at the end of this year. I don't know. Like I, I would probably, and, and I'm just ballparking this based on what I what I've seen from like the public perception. I'd say it's probably a seventy thirty split. Yeah, Eberflus go like fans want Eberflus to go. Thirty percent want him to stay. And when you look at it from like what the front office and the ownership has to decide. You know, they may be making a decision if they keep him. That's a decision that I don't know if a lot of the fan base will will be behind but if the record's eight and nine if they've shown considerable improvement like you're gonna you can sell the fan base at least on the defense has improved this is what we've built our team on this is what's going to carry us into the offseason where they can get more players um with the free agency like market and with the amount of salary cap space that they have and then they can go handle the quarterback situation one way or the other because they have the resources to do that too but you've really got to be sure that Flus can be the guy to guide you through that next stage of the rebuild. And he wasn't just, hey, I'm the guy for the first two years to see this thing off the ground and then to get it to a level where you bring the big guns in, more or less, uh, to get it to the next step. Yeah, we'll see. The The coaching position is going to be so interesting. I mean, is is he going to be a part of Black Monday? I I don't know. It's t- I, This is probably one. Like, And I've, I've covered these before. Um, in 2016, I think it was yeah. the ob- most obvious thing that Chip Kelly was going to get fired after one year with the San Francisco yeah. 49ers. It was writing was on the wall. In 2021, um, 2022, when when Zim got fired, like that was not a surprise to me at all when I was covering Minnesota. A little bit more of a surprise that Rick Spielman was out as well, but also not like a big surprise. This one's hard because it's a, when you talk with people, like you get a differing sense from a lot of different people who who understand what's going on. And the thought that like the decision has been like signed, sealed, delivered, he's gone. I just I don't believe that right now. I really yeah. don't. I think that there's too much to consider for him personally with how they play in these final two games that could affect his future. Well, I'll tell you this. One thing that definitely will help him is if you beat the Packers. If you beat the Packers, I think that that puts you can't a, a you can't very, overstate that. You can't yeah. not with not with this ownership, not with this family. Yes. Um, yes. Maybe other organizations would be like, whatever. The Packers suck. Like this is not a great year for them. They bounce themselves out of the playoff picture. Like I don't know if they end up working their way back in, and and if the Bears can play spoiler in Week 18 somehow, yeah. that will carry I think a considerable amount of weight. No, for sure. And I think by whatever it is, down, what's it down to now? 2%, 3%? I think it's under 1%. Is it under 1% now that the Bears make the playoffs? Like, that? that's that's done. But if you spoil the Packers, mm-hmm. if you, like, the McCaskies, having the McCaskies backing will almost be a guarantee. And if Justin, like, plays well, 
Like they're going to go into that and say, our opinion is he improved the team. We're better than where we were last year. We should keep him. I do think we're kind of at a point though, where, and I think we've seen it where they kind of let, they're letting Ryan make the decisions. They're going to let Kevin Warren kind of take more of a hands-on approach. At least that's how it's felt these last couple of years, which feels a lot different than before. It does. I I will be very curious when we get to week 18, when a decision's made one way or the other, what involvement we'll find out that George McCaskey has in all of this. Because in years past, it's been, you know, George's call. And like, if, you know, it's been his call to form the committee that had people like Bill Polian on it that brought in Dan Quinn, Matt Eberflus, Jim Caldwell, and didn't bring in Mike McDaniel to interview for some reason or another. Like you have different voices that are now guiding the conversation of if they do end up having a head, a coaching search, a whole staff, then that's not just going to be the same thing that they run back the way that they've done it in the past. The process is going to change. And that's, that's a big reason to have faith that they can get it right but it also is a big unknown we don't know how that we've never seen it to this level where the voices who are going to be making this these decisions are not influenced the same way that those have been in the past i'll tell you what the one thing we won't see is uh kevin warren asking guys to do fake press conferences like (laughs) that we that we won't see it's been bad here it's been bad for a while so uh it's good to see that at least it feels like there is some light at the end of this tunnel one way or the other you feel like there's going to be a decision that's made that i guess right there's some there's some debate that you can make for it the bears have improved i can't if fluce is here i wouldn't be surprised the one thing that would surprise me going into next season and we talked about a little bit with the downhill downfield passing would be if luke getsy is here Mm -hmm. because even in a win versus the Arizona Cardinals, which we talked with Ed Smith, and he literally said, how do you want to beat the Cardinals? You can attack yeah. them any way that you want, and you can beat them. And it proved to be true. Yeah. But we continue to see the tale of two offenses with this Chicago Bears team. We're in the first half. I mean, what was it? After our first drive, our first drive ended up three and out, and then it was touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Justin mm-hmm. Fields passing one of them running one of them in, and then Khalil Herbert got a touchdown, right? It was, so they went three and out. So they went, then they, like, it was Fields running one in, Herbert got the middle one, and then they had the Mercedes Lewis Renaissance touchdown. Which I love. It was great. I'm glad he got to 40. I had a great conversation with him after the game about, like, what does that mean? He's like, the work's working. And I don't know if you listened to the interview he did on 1000 like, with us like he did it yeah, with Joni yeah. at Bears Weekly that was one of the most insightful player interviews I've heard done with anybody on the Bears like Joniak deserves whatever you know a Marconi award for that like I really learned a shit ton about yeah. Mercedes the guy works out nine hours a day from like yeah. physical workout to recovery spends gobs of money on his body to see him do that and I know he's gone through a different He's in a different part of his career where, you know, he is used for his blocking. And they needed him last week because Cole Komet went down. And today we don't really have any update from Matt Eberflus on Cole Komet. The only thing we found out on Tuesday is that uh, Tevin Jenkins is still in concussion protocol. But um, I I was really, like, impressed by the way that they got multiple in those moments because that was after – Cole, that was after the Cole Komet, like after he dinged up his knee um, and ended up, you know, that was probably what cost him the rest of that game. But what are we talking about with the, with the coaches? Like when, 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 when we brought with that sound that Ryan Pohl said, like, you know, the schematic adjustments and the, the ability to like not have the same things happen multiple times. And you and I are paraphrasing, but that's kind of what they were getting at there when that question was phrased to him. What's been the issue? It's end of half execution. And like, the Bears were great up until the point where they weren't. They rushed for like a hundred in over a hundred yards in the first half, and then it's six passing attempts on two drives for the offense at the end of the second quarter. Yeah. And Justin went over six on all of those. Like, why did they get away from what made them so good in the first half? Why did those, you know, the, the two O-line penalties, that's bad. The Jalen Jones thing where he like barely went out of bounds, ran back in. Like that's again, situational awareness. You can't be that. You can't make, have that happen. But that's three penalties and over six passing 
in a situation where you got to at least get a field goal. Did they win this game? Yes. But was it too close for comfort in certain moments? 100%. 100%. And that's yeah. what's on coaching as much as it is on players, what you're drawing up for the offense in those moments. And the downfield passing attack, you know, did it need? Did you need to divert to it right there when you've been running the ball so well? Get yourself in field goal range. And then there's other moments where you see them shy away from it. Like, and, and some of that's on players, like some of the passes. You know, there was the one to Velas that, um, you know, in the second half, and they, they were compensating. Yeah. Because remember, DJ Moore was kind of a decoy in this yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was hurt. Um, if he's not great for, you know, feeling great for the Atlanta game, how do they compensate around, like, you know, around that issue? Because if I think we've seen in certain stretches when, when, when they can't get DJ involved, this passing attack stalls. You don't want that because that's a reflection on the coaching staff for not putting, um, you know, putting players in situations where you can work around that. It's relying too much on one element that may or may not be there. Yeah, it's 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 almost as if, and I've said this before, their situational awareness is very, very low, right? We talked about that with Flus not having defensive players on the field, DJ Moore not being on the field at the beginning of the season. Like, even even in, right, the interception that Justin throws, terrible ball by Justin. Yeah. Under through the ball, bad ball, bad on Justin. It's first and 10 at the 20. It was the full of Justin Fields experience. You get a 39 yards, it was 20, 39 yards, right? The scramble right before that. Yeah. To yeah. Get in the red zone. One play later, he throws a baffling interception. Like body of work, that all counts in the evaluation of him because you have such a, it's such a like pendulum swing where you have such highs and such lows within a play of each other. Like but that wasn't like, oh, first like, quarter Justin, fourth quarter Justin. No, that was yeah. literally within the same sequence. Yeah, even for me though, it's just like why? Why are we? Why are we running? I, I think Justice said they were running three verts there, which me and J Mac looked at, and it did not look like three verts. I don't know if he was trying to protect somebody that ran a wrong route or something. But I was like, J Mac, listen, I ain't playing the NFL. Is this three verts? He was like, it don't look like it to me, but that's what Justin said. But why are we throwing there? It's like, like of all the times to like just give up on the right, you're running the football down their throats, literally. You just ran it for 39 it? yards. Yeah. Why are we throwing the football there? Like, sit, that, that's why I look at Luke Getze. The downfield inconsistencies don't surprise me because, to me, the offensive game plan is just inconsistent. Mm -hmm. And it's it's almost like one of those things, right, like when they decide to go for it on fourth down, right? We will go for it here in a much worse field position that would give the, def the offense great positioning if we turn it over here. But we're on our own 20. We're going to kick it now on a fourth and eight. like it's the whole offensive game plan and and Justin Fields takes some culpability on that as well but it's just it's inconsistent yeah everything like, about this offense is inconsistent except DJ Moore the it, the end of half inconsistencies at least what we saw in this past game like specifically that speaks to the offensive coordinator because those were like two minute offense. It's about execution. It's about moving the moving, you know, down the field quickly. It's about converting on your third down. So like, why are you having Justin drop back to pass in, you know, multiple of those six instances? Like it just, it didn't feel it like you got, why do coaches do this? They overthink things. Like you were so good at running the ball. It was effective. Why are you going away from that? Like simple baseline. I don't need to hear any other answer from that. Like yeah. it didn't make sense in Cleveland. Why did you get yourself into a situation where you needed that Hail Mary attempt at the end of the first half? And I know it was because there was the, the normal kick line and the monster kick line, which we learned from Richard Hightower last week. But, like, why were you even in a situation to have Cairo Santos in that situation to begin with? Yeah. Like, the end, of two, the end of half situations have been not great for the Bears. And it's an indictment yeah. on play calling just as much as it is, maybe even more than than player execution in those moments, because what you dial up there has to be good enough to get their best. Because your opponents, when when it's those when the clock is is ticking down, and you know at the end of the game with a two minute warning, and you have to go execute a two minute drive, you're most times going to get the best of the other team because they know it's do or die time. So you've got to be at your best with what you're dialing up, and when you're not, that's evident because those drives don't end up working. And it almost like I I, I look at Luke Getz's game plan week in and week out, and I say he sets his players up to play hero ball. 
right? Where they have to be. They have you, been those moments, yeah. You have to be the great, right? Like that third and one to Roshan, right? Okay, maybe Roshan gets through there, but why don't we go so with something again? Simple. Why don't I we go quarterback with sneak it? Like, I'll, I'll never understand that. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what Luke says about that this week because we've brought that up before. Yeah. Where the short yarded situations, it just feels like they're getting too cute in those moments. Every time. It's not even like it's just sometime, right? We started the season off with Cole Komet under center. He fumbled the first one. He gets the second one. They do it a third time. I think he fumbled it, got it back, and got the first down. We've had a Tyler Scott end around. We've had a DJ Moore end around. We've had, like, there's so many, like, short yardage cute plays. I can't even remember the ones that are just regular. Like, just like we just turned around, we gave the football to Deontay Foreman, he punched somebody in the mouth. Mm-hmm. It's been a minute, I, and I, maybe they didn't feel that they were capable of doing that with Foreman out, but like, yeah. I just do not buy it that you can't find something with your with your 230-pound quarterback. Like, Justin can execute that. We've seen QB sneaks throughout his career. I just, there's no logical explanation for why it didn't work, why they didn't go to it, why, why in the last three games from – the Detroit game to Cleveland to this past game, we haven't seen a single QB sneak. I don't, I don't, there's no logic. Like there's literally like no explanation for why that's happened. And you're operating in shotgun in the third yes. one. You're oh giving God. extra. Like, shotgun runs in those situations should be, that should be deleted from the, fireable. From the, that's play, from the play sheet. <laughs> that, should, that should be fireable. We're doing, we're doing shotgun runs. Wildcat to Roshan. Like, like he's going to throw it. Like there was this now, I guess again. Maybe he's former quarterback, maybe, maybe. Roshan did many moons ago. Like that was like years ago, but even still. I mean, maybe here's the thing. Like for the trick play to work, though, I have to believe the trick. Maybe have Roshan throw it there. Like I don't know. Like I feel like I, I'm not worried about the trick play because I don't think defenses are worried about them running the regular play. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like the defense lines up every week and they're just like. All right. Why is there a running back in the backfield? What's going on here? Like, what are what are they doing? And the skinniest oh, running back. That they, yeah, it's overcomplicating yeah. things that don't need to be that complex. And what you heard from Flus today when he said you got to have your go-to play in those short yarded situations. Yeah, that's a message being delivered to Luke Getzey that I don't want to see anymore sweep you know jet motion on third and one or fourth and one with anybody like that has to be a justin fields play you you got to have your bread and butter if you don't then you're screwed and the fact that right like even i i get it like justin snapping back i love seeing the fire from justin he snaps back at uh uh the reporter who asked the question on jumbo packages and stuff Mm -hmm. like that like i get it like it's fun to see him snap back but it's a valid question it is. Why it don't is. you guys have a jumbo package? Do you have this? Justin says we have it. We just don't call it, which to me is an even bigger indictment that you have these plays that you literally practice and you just don't see a need. I want to call try it. to find that quote from it here. Because remember, there was that moment. Um, Flus talked about it today. Remember the sideline? Like if you if you were watching the game live, I didn't oh, notice. He turns the gets and he snaps out of it. Yeah, head. he said something like I I didn't catch it until I watched it back, but he said. I think they were arguing about under center or pistol. That might have been it, but the play works either way. It's the same play. And I believe that that was, you know, what they were talking about. And that I believe it was that short yardage situation. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know whether that was Justin after the game being like, this is a question for the play caller, but to, to, to reveal what he said, um, you know, about the jumbo, like, you know, those moments, he's like, we do, we just didn't run it. Is that a shot at the offensive coordinator? There's a lot of is shots. Is that calculated? I mean, it, it certainly is. It might not have been like an intentional shot. It could have just yeah. been him in the moment. Like, yeah, like you think we're stupid? You think we don't have this? Like, yeah. of course we have it. We just didn't call it. Like, that's how I took it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he was intentionally trying to, you know, deliver his own message to his play caller, but that that was a little I, bit of a shot. I, I, he got a great. He got a great. They, it, it may have been. I don't really know. Like. If, for, for context here, that reporter who asked him that question, um, Justin made some, said something along the lines of, let me find it. He's like, the day I get a positive question for you from you is a day that I'm going to be happy. This one reporter who I've only seen at games has never 
asked him anything that was like negative. It's usually all glowing and very positive. He's invoked his Ohio State days into certain yeah. questions. Like, I don't know if Justin thought it was someone else, but like that moment, I'm like, do you have the right person that you're angry at in this moment? Or are you just, <laughs> or are you just upset about the question? Because like Justin could have been fuming in that moment. Like, why the hell are we not like sneaking it with me here on third and yeah. one? It yeah. could have been that. It's it. There's there's so much from this game. I love that after a win. We get all the snow. Well, a little bit before a win, too. But after a win, we're getting all the like, bow, shot at you, bow, shot at you. You take two. You take two. Well, it shows oh, you that it shows you where this team is and how how important these final two weeks are, how tight guys are, not necessarily in a bad way, but also realizing what's at stake for next year. Yeah. It, and and literally, um, the, oddly enough, I, I went to Twitter and uh just saw the the tweet go out. Uh Bears head coach. Matt Eberflew said on ESPN 1000, which means he's probably on with Waddle and Sylvie right mm-hmm. now, uh, that no decision has been made on if Justin Fields will be the starting quarterback next season. Oh, okay. No, duh. <laughs> like, like, that's I mean, that kind of goes yeah, to what you were saying, safe, right? Like, safe answer. Like, yeah, him, yeah, he's, like, very, he's not even sure he'll be making that decision. Like, you can't exactly. say, yeah. Like, that's where I was going with it. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, well, I would assume that the guy that may not be here doesn't know whether Justin Fields is going to be here or not. But yeah, we'll see what it ends up being. So many questions, so little time, but uh, we'll keep it uh, going and ask more questions tomorrow. Uh, as I'll be on the radio uh, 7 to 10 with uh, Shay Norling, and then I'll be coming up to do the podcast with, I believe I got Yurko in the building tomorrow. So Yes, they're just throwing you all over the place. Like holidays, switcheroo, they're switching up your schedule. I know you're hosting Thursday, so we're going to get the pod version with you. Is it you and Shay on Thursday? You and me and Shay on Thursday, yeah. So we'll have the pod version up on Thursday this week. That'll be good. Shay had some takes last week when I hosted with him on Friday. It was fantastic radio and we had we had a really good conversation i thought about um just kind of some of the things that i had been hearing up at house hall but how you weigh the circumstances around justin fields whether it is coaching whether it is his own play into these final few weeks and you know atlanta's got a good defense like this is not a cakewalk by any stretch and look at what they did you know arthur smith might be coaching for his job too you know that's something to figure in here like who has a better chance of keeping their job Monday after week 18? Is it Matt Eberflus or is it Arthur Smith? That's a big they, talking point. We talked about it on ESPN radio today. Like um, it's ugh, talk about a team that has a quarterback situation. Like they won at least, at least the bears are in a good spot where they know if they don't keep Justin Fields, they can move on and get somebody else. Like no. Falcons are, they overachieve in the first two years of Arthur Smith. And then this year the rubber meets the road. And it's like, Oh no, um, this guy might be out of a job if things don't go well for them the final few games because of how the season played out because of how the quarterback situation played out. My favorite Arthur Smith moment has to be we've got to get B. John Robinson more touches and then he puts him on punt return the next week. That is the ultimate like, I know I'm an idiot, but also F you. Like, that's so funny to me that he did that this year. <laughs> oh, man, Arthur Smith, you are... Hey, that's such a good question. I'm I'm texting that to Shay to let him know we have to talk about that. Who's got a better chance of keeping yeah. their job on both teams that have built up good defenses and have kind of had middling offenses. So that'll be interesting to see. Hey, for Courtney Cronin, I'm Pat, the designer. Let us know how you guys feel on all the topics we talked about in the comments below. If you haven't done so, hit that like button, subscribe to the page. If you're listening on the podcast side, leave a five-star review. Appreciate you guys for tuning in and showing love. Chicago Bears podcast. Bear down. Peace.